Welcome to Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders by Bright Mind Consulting Group. We give you the necessary tools to help you become the architect of not just your business, but your life too. I'm your host, Javon Wooden. Hey, Sonia, it's a pleasure having you on the Design Your Life and Business podcast today. How are you? Hi, Javon. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. So first question I ask every guest, because you can introduce yourself better than I can. So who is Sonia Maslowskaya? Thank you so much for this question. You know, when I hear this question, the first thing that comes to mind is my favorite poem by Maya Angelou. I am a woman phenomenally. I love that poem. And that's really when somebody asks me, who are you? The first thing that I am is I am a woman. I am a mother. And I bring that feminine energy and nurturing energy into everything that I do, including my coaching and my public speaking. And as an extension of that, I am a linguist. I am a coach, a speaker, and a public speaking coach and a business owner. So you do a lot of things, Sonia, but the man I heard was mother, so salute to you on that. We're going to talk about that speaker coach piece today. Yes, absolutely. I grew up in a family that really appreciated languages and literature. My grandfather spoke multiple languages. My dad was a professor of phonetics, which is a study of pronunciation and linguistics. And very quickly, I discovered that I have this passion for languages, communication, and words. I very quickly understood the power that words carry, the power to heal, the power to inspire, to give hope, and also the power to destroy sometimes. So I got my degree in linguistics. I got my master's in linguistics and intercultural communication because it was just something natural and that I was naturally gravitated towards. And when I moved from the former Soviet Union to the States, I was in my early 20s. I started my corporate career and I worked my way up from being a customer service representative to sales, to VIP sales. And then eventually I became a brand speaker, a speaker for the company. And I started traveling and giving talks in different parts of the country. So that ignited my interest in the art of public speaking. And I went and studied it seriously. I started with great coaches. I joined Toastmasters Club, which is a fantastic club that exists in every city. And later on, I was asked to mentor other coaches and develop them into effective speakers. And through the process of mentoring others, I discovered that I actually enjoy helping people find their unique message, find that magical connection with the audience and overcome the fear of public speaking even more than being in the spotlight myself. Absolutely. I love that. So I have a question. How is your family so great at picking up languages? <laughs> well, you know, they say that people who are musically inclined are usually linguistically inclined too, because languages are very similar to music. And everyone in my family was musically gifted. I also grew up playing the piano, and I quickly made a connection between musical languages and foreign languages. Oh, that's pretty awesome. I hadn't heard that before, that if you're musically inclined, you're typically linguistically. So if you're a musician listening, you know, that's your passion. Maybe you should be picking up some new languages, too. 
<laughs> I always said I wanted to speak another language. So now I know the secret. All right. So I know a lot of folks, they're listening and they're like, you know, suck at speaking. You know, I'm a leader, but when it comes to fundraising or when it comes to, you know, pitching my services to people, I get someone else to do it because that's not my strength. So what do you say to them? I think that all of us have an ability to connect powerfully through public speaking with our audiences. And if you are a business owner or you are a creator of an idea, there is nothing more effective than actually being in front of the audience and delivering that message yourself rather than hiring a professional speaker to do that. Now, of course, public speaking is a craft and like any craft, it needs to be developed and taken seriously. If you can find that passion inside you to deliver that message, if you can identify what is your why, then it will be much easier for you to lean into the craft of public speaking and overcome the barriers and the fears and connect with the audiences authentically. Absolutely. So how do you overcome that? How do you find that why? And there's so many things to talk about for many of us. So how does one find their why in the topic that they want to cover? When they speak. Now, finding a why is really important. And you might think, well, in public speaking, why is it so important? All I have to do is learn the technical aspects of it and understand how to write my speech effectively and develop it with proper posture, body language, and good vocal variety, right? But actually, when I start working with my clients, we work from the inside out. And my approach to public speaking is a bit unorthodox. What I've noticed in working with other public speaking coaches is that a lot of focus is usually given to the intellectual part of public speaking, which is the content of your speech, how your speech is structured, what sources of information you lean into, right? And then there is a lot of focus given to the physical aspect of public speaking, and that's vocal variety eye contact, smile, gestures, body language, how you move on the stage. And those two are really important. But if we lean into all of the ancient teachings and philosophies, they tell us that a human being is comprised of four different elements. And that is intellectual, yes, physical, but also spiritual and emotional. So if we overlook the spiritual and emotional aspects of public speaking, we're cutting ourselves off from two really powerful sources. So before you craft any speech, before you prepare any presentation, you want to ask yourself, why do I want to share that information? What is my bigger purpose? What is my intention of sharing this? And then we build on that. So finding your why is actually the first step. Yeah, you hit on a point. And speaking of Maya Angelou, what you started with, she said a quote, people will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And that emotional piece and spiritual piece is really tied to that. How do you make them feel, right? Because when you're speaking, you know, your storytelling and being able to relate in various aspects to that audience is really what aligns people with you, whether they think it's a great speech or if they're like, eh, it was cool, right? <laughs> so that's a good point. That's a great point. What are some common mistakes you see people make when they're giving a speech? Oh, there are so many, Javon, but let's focus maybe on two just for the sake of time, for the sake of our listeners' attention. So the first mistake is that people tend to overwhelm their audiences with information. 
And our human brain can only absorb so much information. And before we even share that information, what you want to create as a speaker is desire to learn from you and curiosity about the topic, right? So those two things are essential before you share any information. And keep in mind that while information is powerful, what's even more powerful is storytelling. And the second mistake that I notice people make is they give a monologue and you want to make every speech, every presentation, a dialogue with your audience to keep them engaged. Find ways in your speech to ask a question, ask for feedback, maybe step into the audience and give somebody a microphone to share their story or their testimonial. You can use polls, you can use trivia. There are so many ways to keep the audience engaged. But remember, it's never a monologue. It's always a dialogue. Absolutely. And for those who are listening, who speak on those branches and who've been trying to figure out how to make it a dialogue for a while now, what questions should they be asking to spark that engagement? That's an awesome question, Javon. And there are so many ways to engage the audience. So the first thing that I recommend doing is get in touch with the event organizers and find out if you can send a pre-event survey. When you send a pre-event survey, you can find out exactly what that audience wants and you can personalize your presentation to the needs of the audience and then you can refer to that. So you can say, in our pre-event survey, I asked you this question and 65% of you said that you were interested in this topic. So here's what I have to share with you. Or you can even use quotes. One of you mentioned in the pre-event survey that this was your experience. Are you in the audience? Where's Sandra? Oh, hi, Sandra. Thank you so much for a comment, right? And keep them engaged. So the first thing is pre-event survey. If that is not possible, you can always break out your talk and you can do Q&A even in the middle of the speech. You don't have to wait until the very end to do your Q&A. So you can say, is everybody clear on this? Does anybody have questions? Has anybody had a similar experience? You have? Okay. Would you mind sharing? So always keep them as part of your conversation. Now, I love that tip. Not waiting to the end always to bring that engagement and get that Q&A. It's kind of like in the military we did with check on learning, right? Where it's like after we go through a little bit of materials, we make sure they're picking it up to kind of review it, to see who's really paying attention. So I love that idea, Sonia. That's kind of goes against what you hear often. Yes. And you know, also what helps is starting your talk in an unusual way. Most people start by presenting themselves, right? What if you start your talk by sharing a piece of music that is relevant to this conversation and you just get up on the stage and say, let's take a listen to this piece of music. Do you know who composed it? Or do you know in what country it was composed? And start getting the audience engaged immediately and interested in your topic. You can do the same by sharing an image, a video snippet, but the earlier you get the audience engaged and talking to you, the better and more memorable your talk is going to be. And this is great information that you can take, not just on the stage, but in the boardroom and meetings, virtually with your family, right? You know, that storytelling so how can you leverage us listening? Like, I don't speak on stages. What would you say to them? How can they use some of these tips? Whenever we say public speaking, what do people imagine? Is somebody speaking on a large stage, 
giving a TED talk or speaking at a large conference. But if you think about it, all speaking is public speaking, unless you're talking to yourself and you're in the comfort of your home. <laughs> when you speak with your friends, when you're leading a meeting, you're doing public speaking, you're speaking in public. So it's not necessarily speaking on the stage. So to your point, Javon, when you're leading a meeting, when you're giving a presentation, we're so oversaturated with video meetings and conferences that it's even harder to keep the audiences engaged and people are multitasking and checking their email. But imagine telling them during your talk, during your presentation, take a look at the screen and tell me, what do you think about this picture? What does that represent to you? I guarantee you they will stop doing what they're doing. They will disconnect from Slack and chats and checking their email, and they will be forced to look at the screen and get engaged with you. So again, having that dialogue with the audience, whether you're leading a meeting, giving a presentation, raising funds is key. Yeah, because I know... I've seen it often, you know, someone's speaking and then they call on someone and the person's like, oh, I'm sorry, I was multitasking, aka I wasn't paying attention, right? So, so that is a good way to kind of cue them up so they're ready for when you call them. So question is, how does one identify, you know, pieces that are relevant, whether it's stories, the music at the beginning, they can start with, how would the designers identify what they can leverage to kind of draw people in? Well, there is a device in writing and it's called Chekhov's gun. Have you heard of Chekhov's gun, Javon? I have. Okay. So you have, but maybe some of our audience members have not. And this is a literally device that allows you to be very critical of your writing and be more conservative of your writing and also creating those design elements in your talk. Basically, Anton Chekhov, whenever he would write a play, he would then ask himself, are all of the elements of this play necessary to conveying the story or to creating a particular feeling? And if anything was unnecessary and we were just elaborating for the sake of loving the way it sounds, then he would throw it away. And it comes from his saying that if you are going to place a gun on the stage, then somebody has to shoot it. <laughs> Not literally. But what it means, if you're going to insert certain details in your play or in your talk, then you better use them. Otherwise, you're just overwhelming the audience with unnecessary embellishments. Absolutely. The so what principle for some of our designers, they may know it as the, the so what principle. That's a key point. We've all heard a speaker who just went on like some diatribe about something that had nothing to do with anything. You know, and that's easy to do as a so. And that's probably one of the reasons why people fear public speaking. So how does one overcome that fear? <laughs> well, I think the first step in overcoming the fear of public speaking is realizing that this fear is absolutely normal. There is no reason for us to feel bad whenever we feel jitters, whenever you feel that your stomach is in the knot and the palms of your hands are sweaty, your throat gets dry. All of this is a very natural reaction, and it is ingrained in our brain. The part of the brain that's responsible for fear, it gets activated whenever we're being looked at by multiple eyes of people. Some scientists say that it predates to Stone Age when 
people were watched by predators, by multiple predators in the wild. And that triggers the reaction of I'm being watched. I might be eaten by predators, right? That is one theory. Another theory is just socially, we're afraid of being judged and we're afraid of not being accepted. And again, in the older days, if you were not accepted by your tribe, that equaled death, right? If the tribe didn't accept you, you didn't have access to fire and food. So all of that is so deeply ingrained in our biology, in our brain, that it's absolutely normal to have that fear. Now, the other question is, how do you handle that fear? Once you realize that that fear is normal, one of the best things to do is to transmute that nervous energy and turn it into fire that you can use as fuel to propel your message. And what I invite our audience to do is to think of public speaking in a new way. It's not a way where the focus is so much on you when you are doing public speaking, but it's a way for you to shift the focus away from yourself and onto the audience and actually focus on the giving part of public speaking. I always say that communication is about sharing, right? Even if you look at the Latin roots of the word communicate, it comes from Latin communicare, which means to share. So when you think of public speaking as sharing something with the audience, you can shift the focus away from yourself and you can stop thinking, oh, what if I forget what to say? Or what if my slides are not working? Or what if they don't like the sound of my voice? And what if me, me, me? And you start asking yourself questions such as, how can I help my audience? What can they learn from me that they cannot learn from anyone else? And how can I share it in a way that will be memorable and easy to understand? That takes the fear element out of it, because when you're focused on them, you will not have any time to worry about yourself. You said a lot right there. So, so many gems you just dropped. And one was the concept of fear, right? Not realizing that fear is a normal state, it's a normal human condition, right? And it was meant to protect us in our primitive times, you know, when we were really in danger because we could get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger out of nowhere, right? But now it tells us, oh man, something's not right, but the check engine light is wrong. It's just saying, okay, let me check in and see. And then when you have fear, sometimes you just have to do it anyway. It's a new challenge, a new opportunity. So that's one of the ways that I face it. And then this whole concept of it's not about me, right? I'm the messenger. I was given this gift. I was given this information or I've trained, I've studied for X amount to learn this stuff. And it's just my duty to go ahead and spread it in my way because I'm the messenger that these people may be the, the one that they hear it from. I have chosen to be the messenger. And I love that. When we do get over that, when we said, all right, I'm not fearful, I'm excited on this stage or I'm doing this presentation to my team, and then it just falls on deaf ears. They're not engaged. You're like, what is going on? I spent all this time preparing, and they just don't seem like they're interested. Sometimes as speakers, we can spend countless hours wordsmithing our beautiful talk, and we can work with designers on creating a visually engaging presentation. And we think, all right, I got all of my right elements, all of the ingredients of my delicious meal together and then we go and deliver it and like you said 
we don't connect with the audience. The best thing to do is throw away your plan completely, no matter how attached you are to your beautiful presentation and to the structure of your speech, you have to immediately throw it away and check in with your audience and be vulnerable and be authentic and say, you know what? I can tell that what I'm saying is not really of interest to you, or maybe I'm not delivering it in the way that allows you to connect with me. Can we just talk about this honestly? And then get off the stage, get right into the audience with your microphone and have a real conversation with them. I will tell you, I learned that from one of the scariest experiences as a public speaker that I've ever encountered in my career. And I had a beautiful presentation prepared and it was done by a whole marketing department. Everybody worked on it together with a CMO and we crafted the I believe it was a 90-minute talk with slides and video snippets and photographs and so much work went into this talk. And when I got up on the stage, it's not that the audience wasn't connected with me, but it's every speaker's nightmare. The equipment failed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been there too. <laughs> <laughs> right, so the screens went black and fortunately the microphone was still working, but no matter how much the hotel management and the crew tried to fix the screens. Nothing was working. We had over 700 people in the room and they all came to hear this beautiful talk on the new product that the company was offering. And I had to think on my feet very quickly. And I remember I jumped down from the stage, grabbed the microphone, and I just had a conversation with the audience. And I asked them to share their experiences. And funny enough, it was the one event in the year that brought the highest ROI because the audience were so engaged and they would inspire each other with the stories that we sold a lot more than we anticipated at that event. So moral of the story is if you have a plan, no matter how beautiful your plan is, be prepared to throw it away and get authentically connected with your audience. Yes, do not be tied to the outcome, be able to adjust as needed. That's what I'm talking about, Sonia. And, and you heard a case study, right? She was vulnerable with us and told us, you know, what happened to her. So she learned from experience. And that's why I love this podcast, Sonia, because all the designers that come on have an experience. And this is helpful because people listening are really afraid. And then they're like, man, I've fumbled a couple times or, you know, someone told me I, I wasn't good at this. So we need to hear those types of things. Even the people who do this for a living have had those types of moments where it's like, oh, shoot, what do I do now? <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. No, I just wanted to add that we grow from these experiences. So don't be afraid of the challenges and what you might perceive as a mistake or a failure because you will grow exponentially from this. 100%. I wholeheartedly agree. So most of us have a speaker that just touched us in a way that other speakers don't. So in your opinion, what makes a great speaker not a good speaker? Yes, Javon, I always say that a good speaker will make you think and a great speaker will make you feel. But a phenomenal speaker will bring transformational results, right? So yes, it is very easy to teach somebody the surfacey aspects of public speaking, the skill of writing a speech, the skill of 
delivering it confidently from the stage. But if all that is being shared is information, then you're just going to be a good speaker. Now, if you can bear your soul and you can be vulnerable with the audience and share some parts of your life where you had to struggle, overcome challenges, and experience something that is not so glamorous, that's when the audience is going to connect with you and they will feel that their life story is similar to yours. This is a human being, not just somebody who is dispersing information, but somebody who is being genuine, authentic, and vulnerable with me. Those kind of speakers will make us feel, right? And then if you really want to transform somebody's life, that's another level. That's why transformational speakers, they bring out lifelong results and changes in a person. And that's why they get paid so much. Absolutely. Have you found that personality type connects the speaking style or how the impact resonates with certain folks? The personality type of the speaker? Oh, yes, of course. And the speaker personality type is something that needs to be leveraged because you don't want to be like everyone else. And when I work with my clients, I absolutely take into account their personality type, their communication preferences, their background. I try to speak into people's listening. And what I mean by that is not only speaking the same language with them as in Russian, English, or French, but also paying attention to how somebody describes something. Because some people are very visual and they will describe their experiences in pictures. Other people are more auditory, so they will describe more in sounds. There are people that are more data-driven, right? So everybody is different. When you are a speaker, you have to know yourself very well. And you also have to be able to speak to different types of the audience. So that's a skill that can be taught. How do you learn that? What's the process? Say I want to create a computation that resonates with different audiences. How do I learn that? Well, it's helpful to have visuals because about 70% of the audience will be visual audience, right? And then, of course, the way you speak when you are talking, you want to have engagement in your voice. Those are the paralingual tools that we all have, but very frequently they are underused. And that is the tone of your voice, the quality of your voice, how to use silence, how to use pauses, how to leverage the different cadences in your voice. So that musicality, going back to music, this is the song in your voice. And you want to be not monotone. You want to engage the audiences with your vocal variety. And you also have to keep in mind that part of your audience will be data-driven. So you want to give them some numbers and statistics. If you are delivering a talk, just think about how can this be appealing to different types of listeners? You know, if you do that, you're definitely going to hit everyone's learning pattern and style. So that's great advice. Speaking of advice, what's the best piece of advice you've received on public speaking? The best piece of advice I've ever received on public speaking is that public speaking, it's not about perfection. It's about sharing and connecting with your audience. That's great. And these days, people are looking for that more authentic speaker. So it's like, you know, people are no longer looking for that perfect person or someone who seems like they just rehearsed a million times. They want those 
broad moments where it's like ripped and you can tell that it's coming for just that moment, right? That special moment that someone has shared with you. So I, I love that. But when someone doesn't connect, right? Say someone said, oh, that was trash, man. I, why did I wait this hour to listen to this person? How do you handle that criticism and feedback in your line? Well, some criticism is valid. So you just have to know if this is valid feedback, then definitely incorporate that and do better next time. Sometimes feedback is not valid and it's not given from a place of helpfulness or getting you to grow. Sometimes a person might be in a bad mood. They might be dealing with something personal in their life. And in that case, I think that you accept all feedback with grace and elegance. And you can always say thank you so much for sharing your opinion. And if it serves you, then you implement it. And if it doesn't, you throw it away and you smile and you move on. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. What's some ways that the designers can go ahead and start reaching out a keynote speaker or a workshop presenter or facilitator? You know, there's so much space right now for new and authentic speakers. And this space was created during the pandemic period where a lot of professional speakers, they moved away from that field and they started coaching or they pivoted into other areas of their business. So now we have a lot of room for fresh, new, authentic speakers. And if you really wanted to explore that as a professional avenue, the first thing that I will tell you to do is find that why. Find out what is your unique message. What is your life experience or skill or knowledge that you can share? And why should audiences listen to you and not somebody else? And it is easier to find than you think because we all have very unique life combination of life experiences, skills, and natural talents. So that's the first step. The second step is start creating content. Start recording yourself on video. You can create short form videos and start posting them on Instagram, TikTok. TikTok is the platform that will allow you to get the most engagement and new audience right now, the way that this is how the algorithm works. But whichever platform you are more comfortable with, whether it's YouTube or Facebook, just start creating video content and putting yourself out there. And then when you do give a talk, even if it is at your Toastmasters club or in front of your friends, make sure to record it and make sure have a good quality demo video. Because when you start pitching yourself as a speaker, the first thing that the organizers are going to ask is for a demo, for a video of your talk. It doesn't have to be NBC quality, but it needs to have good light and good sound, right? And Then create, if not a website, at least a page where you can host this information with your video, with your electronic press kit, your bio, your headshot, and start approaching event organizers who could benefit from your content. Absolutely. Yeah, you just gave away a whole package of gems. So y'all make sure y'all go ahead and download the show notes. So we're going to shift into our by design segment where I ask every guest the same three questions. Are you ready, Sonia? I'm ready. (laughs) All right. I know you were born ready. So what has been the hardest part about designing a life and business you don't need a vacation from? 
I would have to say that for me as a single mom, the hardest part is finding balance between being a businesswoman and a mother. Because I love what I do so much, I can really dive into work easily and not come out for many, many hours. I love working with my clients. I love designing courses. I love writing articles on public speaking to help others empower their voice. And because of that, sometimes it's hard for me to break away from what I love to do and find that balance to be a good, present and nurturing mom while also being a successful businesswoman. So how many children and how old, if you don't mind me asking? I am a lucky mother of twin boys. They are identical twins and their names are Samson and Solomon. They are biblical trouble. I was just about to say, I was just going to say something like that. That's awesome. Biblical trouble. They're beautiful boys. You know, they're very talented. They're athletically inclined. They're soccer players and they keep me very busy. I can imagine soccer players, boys. Yep. That sounds like a lot of mischief. I know how I was as a kid. (laughs) So what is the best lesson you've learned along your entrepreneurial journey? The best lesson that I've learned from my journey is to face my fears and insecurities and actually lean into my passion and do something that scares me. I think when we do something that scares us, it's the best way to level up and grow and really tap into our inner potential. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Do something that scares you. If you're afraid, do it anyway. Yes. All right. So you've given us some tips earlier, but what are some other tools or tips that you would recommend when scaling your speaking business? When scaling your speaking business, it's important to find your own unique style and don't give it away. When people tell you, you should be like this person or you should be like that speaker. Don't listen to that. Find your unique style, something that makes you stand out. Embrace your imperfections. That's the first thing. And secondly, delegate and find people who specialize in their field because it's impossible to do everything and to do it well. You will need somebody to build your website. You will need somebody to establish your social media presence. You might need a professional to help you set up your email marketing. All of that needs to be delegated to other people so that you can focus on what you do best, and that's public speaking. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. Delegation is so important and vulnerable. You mentioned that a couple of times in our episode. Yes, being vulnerable to say, hey, I don't know that I don't have time to do it. Sonia, it's been a fantastic conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You weigh a lot of gain when it comes to being an effective speaker, not just on the stages, but in the boardroom and in life. So I appreciate it. So how can people find you? I have to say first that I really enjoyed our conversation too. And it was so much fun to connect with you and have this dialogue. And the best way to find me is First of all, on Instagram, I'm very present on social media. So find me on Instagram at soniampower.com, S-O-N-I-A-M-P-O-W-E-R. So Instagram, Sonia Empower. My website is soniaempower.com. I'm also on Facebook and you can find my articles on Forbes. And I'm very honored to be connected with you, Javon, through the Forbes Coaches Council members. I am honored as well. I'm so happy you were willing to impart knowledge upon the designers and I. 
Yeah, we look forward to us connecting again in the future. Thank you so much. I'd love to come back. Absolutely. I will be sure to do that. Or we'll get an encore request. So thank you so much, Sonia. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I'll let you know when we can bring you back on for sure. Thank you. Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders, is brought to you by Bright Mind Consulting Group. To find out more about Bright Mind Consulting Group and how you can become the best leader possible, visit brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Make sure you search for Design Your Life and Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Bright Mind Consulting Group, we cannot thank you enough for listening.